0: Hello, and welcome to the podcast for episode 105 of Outlander Rent. I'm Ronald D. Moore, executive producer and developer of the Outlander television series. and I'm joined once again by my lovely and talented wife, Terry Dresbach. Welcome, Terry.
1: Hello.
0: <coughs> well, Rent is sort of taking you know a sequence of events from the book and sort of resculpting them a bit uh, for our purposes and uh, folding them into an hour of television. I'd say the biggest differences between this section of the book and this particular episode is sort of the focus that we gave it in the writer's room about saying, okay, what this episode is really about for our purposes is this is a time when Claire bonds with the rest of the Highlanders, where they, she be, is sort of accepted as one of them by the end of the story. In the book, there are definitely characters named uh, Angus and and Rupert and so on, but we sort of have made them more of continuing players and part of the family of Outlander in the show. So this was the episode where we really wanted to focus on that aspect of it, where she starts as an outsider and by the end of the show is accepted as one of them. And tonight, the gin, we're doing gin and tonics tonight. Mine is portobello gin. Terry's is botanist gin, both with Indian spring tonic water.
1: And... I'd like to comment on the fact that I think it's three weeks in a row now that my hand is on the clutching sheet that you said was going. to You be... mean
0: your credit is on the clutching sheet? I don't know what did I say? You said my hand is on the. Oh, clutching. my
1: name is on the on the <laughs> clutching sheet, and That's... you said that was going to move around. Okay, here, here's her beautiful coat with the hood down, but okay. Uh,
0: this opening, uh, actually, originally in the script and for a very long time, was Claire. By herself, sort of going over lines of poetry in the water, sort of going for a swim, and then suddenly all the highlanders oh. came cannonballing oh, in, that's right, and splashing and yeah. making a giant but ruckus. Since we're and,
1: shooting in the dead of winter,
0: well, and no matter what time of year you're shooting in, to yeah, put all would these die. That's people true. would die of hypothermia in, in yeah, these locks. Much. but uh, Tony Graffia, who was the writer of this episode, hung on very dearly to that idea. She did, anthem- and I, and, uh,
1: yeah, it was just like. They're going to die. And, and it
0: was a great no. visual. It would have been fun. fantastic if we'd been able to do it. But you don't want to get in that water. And you certainly no. don't want to be in that water for the length of time you would have to be to shoot this scene.
1: No. And this is when we first start seeing Ned Gowan.
0: Ned Gowan's introduction. He's Bill so Patterson.
1: fantastic. He's so fantastic.
0: Bill's great. Oh,
1: God, he's wonderful.
0: Lovely man. Great character actor. It was a really, really a treat to have him on the show.
1: I need to send him an email.
0: This whole episode was shot. This is where we get, start getting into the out of sequence of it. This episode was actually shot months later. We shot episodes one, two, three, and four, and then we jumped ahead and did uh, nine and ten because nine and ten took place. You know, I'm not giving anything away to those of you who know the book. it Take place back at Castle leak so we opted to do all the Castle Leek stuff together and do this later. So episodes six, seven, and eight were actually shot out of sequence months later. It also allowed us to let the weather uh, ease up a little bit and gave us a few more hours of daylight every day so that we could sort of get things going. But as a result, as Terry and I watched this episode, we're sort of aware that this is a later episode in the series. You can kind of see that we've really got the show uh, rolling by this point. We're really sort of much more on top of uh, all the sort of you know, the way the show looks, the production, the feel, which was really important because the vast majority of this episode is shot on location. And we went, actually took the, the entire cast and crew on location. Look at how
1: red his nose is. I
0: know. He's uh, he's feeling it. He's it's out there in it. the elements. But where, where do you remember where we were when we were shooting these sections? I don't remember that area yeah. of Scotland because I wasn't, I wasn't there I for this. I
1: wasn't there and I was way to hell and gone. You know, it, it is. It's... He's a he's a lovely character actor, but he's also, well, it, it, by nature you can do amazing things with actors like this. I mean, he, this coat was based on an ancient old coat that we found somewhere, and loved the texture of it, and then then we recreated it. So what you see, we made look really really old and beat up, but it it tells a story of a previous life, which, you know, Ned had. He was he was a. a a lawyer in a different life and he ran away to join the circus so to speak but he still carries the rest of his life with him and, and you really want to see that you want to see the is that pot um, <laughs> you want to see the difference between this life and and his old life in the same in the same location
0: I love this a little bit with yeah smoking the pipe to help your asthma which is so counterintuitive yeah. and yet it does actually have this sort of ability to sort of open the passage No they smoking camp no this is Thornapple.
1: Oh, right. Thornapple,
0: yeah. And yes, Maybe of course we try that for my asthma. Well, we're encouraging smoking whenever possible. Oh,
1: God. But he's a bit of a dandy and he's a bit of a... Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's such a delightful, delightful character. I always loved Ned Gowan in the books. He's just really one of my favorite favorites out of the whole bunch. <clears throat>
0: I love this whole little singing on the road thing, and just getting a sense of them out in the Highlands, you know, traveling around. I really like the the feeling in this episode of of traveling through Scotland. That the show really isn't just about being in a castle for the non for the non fan or the non reader of the book. This is the first moment that you realize that oh well wait a minute her whole story is not going to be about her life in Castle Leo We're actually going someplace, yeah. and it's going to take us a while I to even see Castle Lyon.
1: And you can see Ned Gown has a cloak on and this is the only time we'll see this cloak, this kind of cloak in this series.
0: Well, he's the only character on the road that wears the, the tricorn hat. Too. Yes,
1: and his, he has a very traditional, almost city-style cloak there. It's a great cloak, That's what it's called. He's just... I'm sorry, I know I'm going on, but...
0: And he and Kat, as I recall, were two of the more accomplished horse people yeah. among the cast. They, they were really... no. right. Oh, wasn't Ned? No. Wasn't yeah, Bill? was
1: not a... No. Ned Cat's was, pretty good. No, yeah, Cat's good. Ned was not fond of horses. Oh,
0: I thought not,
1: he was. Did not, did yes, not, he said, into this. he said, I can do it if I absolutely have to, but I'm not happy with it. <laughs> so there was a lot of, you know, trying to figure out how to deal with Ned in scenes where the horses are galloping or riding You know, it's funny, I, you know, like a, like so many fans, I have pictures in my head of who these characters are, and I think out of everybody, Ned is the one that is the truest to really? the picture I always had.
0: Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Ned's very close to how I pictured him from the book. There's one of our stag shots, of course, from the main title that you see every week. I remember coming to this particular location with you and with our daughter. Mm-hmm. Who was visiting on her spring break?
1: Your first dance set. Yeah. Now a, a little beat I want to play there. So you notice how, cats wrapped in a cloak, but everybody else is not particularly dressed <clears> any <throat> differently than they would anywhere else. One of the things that you notice when you're when you're here in Scotland is that, you know, if you you see people coming in and they're wrapped and huddled in coats, unless they're actually Scottish and then they're wearing t-shirts and shorts. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a there's a sense that she's again um from another place and she's cold they're not angus is not feeling the cold that's a lovely treat yes
0: it's a real rabbit would you like a rabbit all the food is usually real on this mm-hmm. particular show which is kind of unusual
1: again our our uh, set set decorators are incredibly meticulous and we have so they have somebody that they hire who specializes in period food to make sure that it's always correct
0: again another sequence where the guys are just throwing themselves into the gallic a lot of conversation about what they would be saying there we for all the gallic scenes in the in the story uh, the writers would uh, write up an appendix that would have the translation what we what it's supposed to be in english and then we would send it off to Adam to then translate it into gallic and then Adam would then teach the cast to uh, speak it all in gallic and then they would rehearse it in gallic and he would be prepared on the day with like big cue cards in case they, they couldn't remember the Gaelic. But pretty much the, the cast is really good about that kind of thing and rehearsal among themselves. And they they'd spend a lot of time and effort uh, among themselves and individually to try to get their accents correct, to, to make it feel natural, and to really sort of play it like this is just a second, second language to them.
1: It's funny. We're starting to, we're starting to see the, the characters that, that I know now. We're starting to see Sam... And cat, both well, their faces seem to sort of be changing, and they become um, different physical beings than what we saw at the very beginning of this process.
0: Yeah, his hair is longer. This mm-hmm. is this is closer to Sam as he is yeah, now. There as he we, is. as we that. record this yeah. in August. This is uh, this location is a village.
1: Newtonmore. It's
0: a yeah, and what's the name of it?
1: Newtonmore.
0: Newtonmore. It is a historical village. It's maintained and they have reenactors and people. It's an educational place. It's a great tourist facility. You can go there today, and they maintain the sort of Highland culture and way of life, and they were kind enough to let us come in and use it as, as a location for the show, and it gives it an enormous amount of texture. Oh, in, in it's, it's
1: fantastic. It was, it was really extraordinary to see um, our cast and our extras <clears throat> in this environment.
0: Yeah, please go. If you're visiting Scotland, go to this place, and you'll learn a lot about uh, the Highlands and Scottish culture, and really how things were done, and they're wonderful, wonderful uh, people. Oh. I think the animals are real. I'm pretty sure the animals are real. Is it, isn't that real goats, or is that one of our extras in a the costume? I don't remember. My God. Yes, dear. I love this whole interplay with Dugo and one of these yeah. guys. Yeah,
1: again, another way that you add dimension to a character. This was this is around the time also that we were that we were able to not have in you know, an all crazy breakneck run to get our principal costumes done, and we're able to turn much more attention to to the the quality of our extras and. Uh, if you look at them, you'll see that they're, they're... In this episode in particular, you start seeing the kind of fabric treatments and textures and aging and dyeing that we started to really be able to do here that was really quite extraordinary. Now, this
0: whole scene, originally in the script and the story break, this was a we, we called this a village and that the ladies came out, and Claire saw a vase in a window, and then she went in and had tea with the ladies. And that was in the first couple of drafts, and then it kind of became apparent that actually in this period... That wasn't really accurate. What we think of as a village on this level right. really wouldn't have shops with vase, no. vases in them, although we the writers were trying to call it back to the pilot. Well, it and would that have the been ladies, had
1: Inverness or And the
0: ladies like didn't really go and have tea. That no. wasn't really a thing. So no. then we kind of went back and said, okay, well, then what would it be? And we kept looking for something for Claire to do with the ladies. And this idea of the wool walking, if I'm not mistaken, this is drawn from another book in the series, I think. Mm-hmm. You no, know? and maybe this so. came out of Tony. I might be mistaken. This, this yes. might have come out of Tony Graffia's own research about
1: I mean, things that they it's did It's really fascinating period. because this is the research that we did when we were working on the show in the beginning, when we were looking at how we did our tartans and things like you used urine as a as a mordant in in order to to fix your colors and those sorts. So it was fascinating for me to see the writers then come to this story. Independently from us,
0: I think I think Tony might have researched. Yeah, it. I think I, she did. I think Tony did the research and found this, and it came up as just something she was talking about in the room, and yeah. then kind of seized on it as and say, "Oh well, let's do that in the show. Let's do it here instead of the tea scene, and forget about the so vase It's so much better." It's so much better. And I love these ladies that do this. Well,
1: these are these are women who actually yeah they actually do
0: this, do this at, at the they're reenactors yeah. and they do this. Except for her, I think she's she's yeah cast, no she's cast, but the rest of them.
1: But you know that was like I said back in the very see there's the texture that beautifully painted texture on the costumes but this was something that when we were doing our research for the tartan it was you know this is what people did they saved urine and they boiled it and they this is how they they made sure their dye stayed it's 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 one of those remarkable little bits about how things were done that in modern culture seems so foreign. It's, it's such a, so amazing. It's
0: such a great scene. This is one of my favorite scenes in this episode. And Claire going in and being, yeah. you know, up for it and accepted in because she's up for it.
1: Really fantastic.
0: And I don't recall, I think this is, is this a location? Yeah. Yeah, this a is location. our location. <laughs> yeah, okay, oh, yeah, as all the ladies are here. Yeah. yeah. This is actually inside one of those uh, cottages.
1: This, these were these fittings were f- fantastic too. Like I said this is when we started to really be able to layer in bits and textures and hand painted bits and if you look on the left there that's a that's an old bedspread that we made into a bodice as people would have done at the time. <coughs> you, 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 you repurposed all, all fabrics. You didn't throw anything out.
0: So the line coming up here where Claire says Geronimo and we kept looking for something that she would have said to them that was slightly anachronistic, but not glaringly so. But it had to be something that she would have known in the forties. And Geronimo is something that the paratroopers said as they jumped out of airplanes yep. was something from the forties, so that's how we, we, we cottoned onto it.
1: Look at her sleeves. It's just remarkable.
0: The real baby going, why am I on camera? (laughs) What am I doing here? Oh, me? Me? The bucket? Oh, what? Yeah. All right. Sure. Why not?
1: That bodice, the woman holding the pot, is an old, like ski sweater that we found in some charity shop and completely tore apart and re-dyed and reworked and felted and did all kinds of crazy things too, which gave it really amazing texture.
0: Now, how do you know that? When you see that in the shop, how do you know that, oh, that fabric I can turn into? Is it just the color or?
1: Well, that is what we do for a living.
0: Well, I know, but what what <laughs> makes you do that for a living? What is it that you can look at it and you can just say, I, I know I can turn that into something else.
1: I don't know. It's just, you just know. It's just experience. It's just having done these things before. You're looking for color. You're looking for texture. Um,
0: In a sense of what the fabric is and how you can distress it. I yeah, think.
1: you kind of know. You, 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 there's just this <clears> sense <throat> that you have. You pick up something and go, oh, that's an interesting bit of fabric. I wonder if we could do da 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 with it. And, you know, you, you take it back and you figure it out. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but usually it works. There's a lot of bedspreads, repurposed bedspreads on this show.
0: There was a scene later on that was cut, that I couldn't edit in, because it didn't quite work, where you saw that Dougal, uh, uh, like the next day, tells Rupert to send the goat back yeah. to the village. what, what
1: happened to that?
0: Uh, it didn't quite play like in that. the cut. I, I liked it too, I liked it conceptually, but what happened was, it was supposed to sort of show you that Dougal has a heart after all, but the scene that's coming up in a bit, where he goes to the village where everyone's so poor and they right. have nothing to give, and he gives them the grain back, that served the same purpose. So it was sort of a double pump. It right. was kind of hitting well, the we same thing. You already big know twice. he's human. You, you already know he's human because of the Geordie thing in the previous episode. So you didn't really have to give back the goat. And, there's some, and in fact, in some ways, it's better that they don't give back the goat because it maintains a certain reality of who they are. This beat here with this guy, with the lieutenant, he turns out to be, of course, the the, the redcoat lieutenant. We talked about this a lot, and the question was whether you would see him, the cutaway, oh, when he puts on his uniform. Yeah. Because that's out of Claire's point of view. So technically, we're breaking the point of view there, because you're seeing something that Claire does not see. And in editing, I kind of went back and forth on it, but I felt... Ultimately, I thought it was stronger to see him put on the red coat and realize that they were in trouble than it was to just sort of have this incident and then wait all the way to the end of the show and then call it back. You know, it's a judgment call. You could kind of go either way about it. The, the idea here is that that smock that he's wearing, what he was doing... And it's a it leather. Does, it's, le- it's a leather smock, and he, it, it doesn't quite play, but the idea was he was uh, busy in the back working on his horse. He's like uh, shoeing his horse or something. So yeah. he's like taking care of his mount when he heard this ruckus and came out. So he goes back to where his horse is. And in the cutaway, in a second, you'll see that he's inside sort of a blacksmith shop/slash stable where his horse has actually been been quartered for the moment. And that's what he was doing. Like right there. There's his horse. But you don't, it doesn't quite come through because we no. didn't quite shoot enough he of it. But I mean, that was a discussion. Was the what
1: can you do to tell us that he's a red coat without telling us he's a red yeah. coat? Yeah.
0: So ultimately, I just said, just put his friggin' uniform on. It, it's cleaner that way. And this is the first time when we see Dougal really making his pitch for, you know, the money. And in the book, I believe that the first time Claire heard this, she was in a tavern. Yeah. And upstairs and kind of eavesdropped a bit. No, she
1: was in the tavern. She
0: was in the tavern. Or she was just in the tavern, right? We wanted to have a series of these. So we kind of went back and forth about uh, which locations were taverns and which were cottages and so on, because you wanted a, a sense of movement and sort of travel through the highlands.
1: And one of the, one of the things we did here is put the Mackenzie brooch on him. It, it was a very deliberate choice because we wanted to get across the feeling that Dougal is, wants to send the message loud and clear, who he is, he what he has to say is important, and should be listened to. And Mackenzie brooch was one way of doing that. hmm it's the only time we see it in the show, really. Really? Except for the gathering. Uh
0: huh. Really? That brooch that's yeah. the only time you see it? He
1: doesn't wear it. On oh, I know a he has basis. that he has
0: that mm-hmm. other one I know, yeah. but this is one of the Yeah, because oh, this really?
1: is this is something he pulls out for special occasions and this is a special occasion.
0: It's a big thing in the book with him going up and ripping off Jamie's shirt. Which meant that Jamie, for some reason, had to be wearing just shirt sleeves that day, as opposed to yeah. his waistcoat and, and his those are coat. And those
1: are the bits that you just, you know, again as a costume designer, you go, but he wouldn't actually be doing that. But we do a lot of ripping of fabrics and ripping of clothing that wouldn't actually happen. I mean, to 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 rip open a, a 18th century a woman's 18th century bodice with your bare hands. Hmm. Kind of an interesting thing to do. Oh, yeah. these but, are tra-
0: it, They're kind of film... It's kind of it's conventions and, and film and TV yeah, and it's just
1: but it, It's not just in this show. It's in a lot of shows. Oh, like, yeah. And then you just reach up and tear it off. And you're like, um, that's seven layers of wool and boning and laces. and it's Well, the just, whole wow, term, so, bodice
0: ripper, it's just implies that you can rip a bodice really easily. You, <laughs> you rip really rip
1: easily. And if you do, then there's four more layers underneath that. So, um, and the same thing with the shirt... You know he why why is he sitting here in his shirt sleeves? Um, how did you decide who among the men coat?
0: would wear a kilt versus trues, which are the the trousers?
1: None of our men are wearing trues except for Dougal.
0: Doesn't Ned? Oh matter? yeah, and,
1: and no, uh, well Ned, but Ned's English.
0: Oh, Ned's English. Right? No, he's
1: not English. He's Scottish. Sorry, sorry. He's Scottish, but he's a city. He's a, he's not a Highlander. And um, what about in terms uh, of uh, Willie's wearing trues, huh?
0: What about the extras? How would you decide how many wore kilts versus the trues? majority
1: of them wore. Kilts, trues were often worn by the wealthy because they were worn to wear on horseback. Because, as you can imagine, being on a kilt, being on a horse in a kilt, could be a little dicey. But if you're wearing trues, you have protection. So, at um, least something. But the wealthy were the ones that owned horses, so that's that's where, where that go, goes. So that it becomes an affectation of people with more money. Hence, we chose to have Dougal do that.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: Also, because Dougal, you know, being our more flamboyant dresser of the show, you know, he's the guy who, in a, in a sense, wants to maybe distance himself a little bit from being the rough Highlander and wants to have a little more finesse.
0: This little scene by the river here is actually the same scene, or sorry, the same location yeah. as we shot the prior scene where they were, they were camped out, and I said that we had brought Roxy that day.
1: Great example of where Ron messes with colors
0: yeah I'm enhancing the green of the background the the, the grass the I'm green. sort of pumping the blue,
1: up the, the bringing out the, the green the blue
0: I'm, I'm sort of knocking down the white of the river because in, in the in the sort of foam
1: you also brought the color of that uh, neck piece yep which is interesting because when you're choosing again as I said once before when you're choosing costumes it's hard to anticipate what Ron's going to do in the editing room. <laughs> so it's makes it kind of interesting
0: yeah because ultimately you know i'm i'm color grading it and really alicia bessett our our post-production producer and then our our color grader at the color timing facility are really doing more of the hands-on work and they're sort of going off of templates that i'm sort of saying this is how i'd like it to to be but they're doing the actual day-to-day work but in a sequence like this i wanted a sense of travel and moving across the highlands. So if you go back you'll look that when they first go into the highlands the the landscape is much more in the yellows and golds and then as they move forward we start introducing more and more green. Even though geographically we didn't the uh, the, the the production did not travel a, a great distance. I wanted to convey a sense of distance. So part of the way that you do that is by changing the color of the landscape so that the early colors are more in that straw kind of feeling and then now we're in more of uh, uh, more saturated greens it kind of you kind of feel the passage you kind of feel like you've gone from one place to another like right there I'm definitely pulling up at the greens and they're sort of in big contrast with the snow which I thought was sort of an interesting look
1: And live the rest of my life in the past. And
0: we're just kind of selling the idea of you know they're, they're gathering rent from different places. S- that shot might actually be stolen from an early from uh, episode one of them traveling through uh, the forest. just we needed some traveling shots and we, we shot a lot of second unit stuff that were just sort of generic traveling shots for the Highlanders and the rent parties and different peoples on horses and then we just sort of moved them around. This idea, we wanted to set up the watch as a concept, that there was this band of sort of, you know, the, the quote-unquote Scottish mafia. that were in it for the money, and, you know, they were always looking uh, to play an angle, and sometimes they were patriots, and sometimes they weren't. But uh, we wanted to sort of posit the watch here, because they will come back into the story uh, at a later point. And yes, it's real I love the way Ned Gowan's hat keeps flapping in the wind oh. up there. That tricorn hat. Well you would
1: think it's just gonna take off any second? Well
0: it's so funny because I don't expect those flaps to be yeah. independent. I thought they would have been pinned or something. And it just it's it's fun to see that they're actually flaps that kinda yeah. have a little bit of life in the in the air. Those are
1: fake chickens. <laughs>
0: Sure they are, sure they are, dear. No animals were harmed during the filming of this production. Ah, uh, this was another in a series of very cold, very windy days out of the location. In oh, fact, oh,
1: one of many. This one and, and snow then. Snow on the mountains is not, is CGI. not CG.
0: I mean, the wind is just blowing them all to pieces here. But I think that's great. I think it looks great. I love the way that the, the hair is like well, blown into their faces. Well, you can see it on their, their skin. Uh, yeah, I think it gives it a reality. I hate it when shows are supposed to be in cold, windy places and everyone's hair is, is perfectly in place. Yeah,
1: and I don't know if you've emphasized quite enough <clears throat> that uh, the point about how we ended up shooting in the, the, the fall and winter as opposed to the spring. So, oh, yeah. you know, we had to make adjustments all the way along. And you don't want to pretend that it's spring and summer when it's winter yeah. and fall. It's, it's not going to read right. It, it won't be true. People are going to look cold. They yeah. won't be
0: cold. Well, that was why I shifted the season from the book, because yeah. the book was going to take you from the spring into the summer, and there was no way we were going to convey you know, Scotland in the winter for summer. So you might as well just embrace the change in the story. We always liked uh, the writers, we always talked about Angus as being a real dangerous, yeah. crazy, wild card character that you could love him one you minute. You think he's he, a
1: little funny little elf.
0: <laughs> and then be terrified of him in the next. And all the other guys, they're all looking at him going, he could really like drive that right into her eye. Like, he's that crazy.
1: Yep.
0: A lot of spitting in this show. <laughs> it's such an easy sort of camaraderie among our highlanders. Well, that's you that see that on the set. Too. You see that in the yeah. rehearsals, and they just hang out, and they're very, they're they're, they're just.
1: Well, you do create a family. I mean, you're, you you yeah, you you really you're, do. you know, you're all together, eighteen hours a day, in and often in really difficult physical circumstances, uh, there's a camaraderie that is built that really does become a family. Well, you know, we're not even finished with the first season. You know, it, once you've gone through a few seasons, it. I mean, you 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 still talk to and you know have dinner with, and we all stay in touch with the people from Battlestar Galactica.
0: Yeah, because you really do forge this bond. You've gone through this unique experience that no one else has and you've done it day in day out and you've stressed and you've cried and you've laughed and you've really shared something and it bonds you in a way that you know you can never share with anyone who wasn't there <clears throat> this is the scene I was talking about earlier where it's Sam you kind of say, I know Sam's always playing with that knife he's always spinning that knife on the palm of his hand which it's I would nice think pit. would be painful wouldn't that hurt
1: not necessarily
0: but yeah, this is the scene where Dougal, we, we see that he has a heart and he's, you know, he takes mercy on these people and, you know, he, he, he feels the pain of, you know, the people on the McKinsey lands. I love the faces of our of our cast and our, and our extras. <laughs> the no, faces no, have no, so again. much. The faces have so much character yeah, in them. They they're well, not just sort of. They're not, not people that are coming in off the beach in Malibu. Well, that's what about to,
1: I was just about to say. We're not shooting L.A. for Scotland. These are these are people who live here. <clears throat> oh.
0: Like this guy. I love this guy. Oh, yeah, he's great. Those eyes, that face. This is a guy, he's seen some shit. This is a guy that's lived a life. Yep. I love his, his like, uh, is that a waistcoat? I guess it yeah. is a waistcoat. His
1: waistcoat.
0: It's like leather.
1: That's what I was saying. That's one of the, you know, we don't, we don't use a lot of leather. <laughs> um, and that, that jacket that he has, interestingly enough, um, that is the same fabric that we use for a skirt of Jenny's. So another thing we tried to do a lot of in the show was to reuse fabrics. That The idea being that, that you know, people all had the same stuff. It wasn't like you went out to the stuff. That sounds so bad. You didn't go out to the fabric store and make sure that you bought a fabric that was different than everybody else's. There was a limited supply.
0: And like he steps towards her and she just kind of like yeah. steps back like okay wait a minute. <laughs> it's a great moment of of Claire's mouth getting her in trouble because even though she is trying very hard to maintain the cover there is a part of her that just can't help herself and she will say the wrong thing to the wrong guy every once in a while.
1: Which in the book all the way through to the last book she's often walking it back and and Jamie's often giving her a scold for, you know, speaking her mind in places where it would be better to just not say anything. <laughs> Look at that.
0: A lot of discussion on this on this sequence of how, you know, how we would detail out the history here because you know. There's always this fear about, well, you don't want to give the audience a history lesson. You know, oh, my God, do we have to give the audience a history lesson? You know, how much do we have to tell them? They'll get bored. And I just sort of always feel like, you know what? The audience is smart. They want to learn things. They want to know what Claire knows. They want to figure this stuff out. So I just sort of kept saying, look, it's all right. We're going to be able to do this in a succinct fashion. We just do a single flashback to Frank and, and Claire and the Reverend Wakefield. And I'll give you a little, uh, just enough of the Jacobite backstory that you're going to understand it. But it's okay. We'll we'll take a few minutes here and give you, you know, a small history lesson. Because God forbid that the audience, you know, understand history. You know, long live the Stuart! And you know, one of the things that's important to understand about this period, and that Diana is always, you know, at pains to to remind us of, is that. The Jacobite movement is not about a free Scotland. It's not about the idea that Scotland's going to become free. It's it's about the succession to the throne to of, the throne of, of England. England. And the Stuarts, as the, the out, the exiled monarch, trying to regain his throne. It was all about King James trying to come back and retake the throne from King George II, that one of the Hanoveran kings. And it was, it was about succession. And yes, did the Jacobites think that maybe... In some reality, that that would lead to an independent Scotland. Yes and no. There's various historical debates about that idea, but it's not well, the and then fundamental. the
1: Highlanders, you know, just wanted to be left alone.
0: Yeah, and they to were, do their and, own and, thing. and it had a lot to do with Catholicism sure. and Protestantism. So it was a much more complex. So in the show, we try to not make it all about that. This is about a free Scotland. It is about restoring the Stuarts, the rightful king of, rightful king of England, by their lights to his throne.
1: That sweater, or tank, as it is known here, was a wonderful piece. You call piece. it a tank? Yeah, you call it a tank here. Um, it, uh, it's, it's, a lo- it's a lovely piece. We had it we had it knit, um, and it, it's very much of the period. Very, very much a 40s piece, especially in the UK. I love this because this is the first time we see Claire. I don't know if you noticed this. This is the first time we see Claire wearing the, any of our tartan.
0: Oh, yeah, you're right.
1: And to Ron's point, at the beginning of this, <clears throat> this is about her bonding with the Highlanders. So this is the place where she can begin to also join them on a visual level. It's just a little subliminal way that you help support the story.
0: This was a key moment in the book where Claire overhears the argument between Dougal and Jamie. In the book, I think, she was in yeah. a tavern and went outside, oh, but here... Oh, we're yeah, at, yeah, at and, at but camp. they're
1: arguing outside. Then. But
0: it didn't seem to matter. It's like, it's fine that they're in a camp. This was also uh, one of Sam's screen tests. We did a screen test with Sam doing this scene, and he had a friend of his come in whose name escapes me. I apologize. And Sam and his his friend uh, did this scene as his uh, screen test. Even though we hadn't written this episode (laughs) at that point, but we took the scene from the book and basically made script pages out of it uh, to do the screen test in.
1: I always love this scene in the book again it's one of those places where a real relationship is is uh developed
0: yeah oh it's a key moment for the two of them and it, it, it has one of those uh, jamie hitting the tree which i never really liked but i said all right we'll just do that just never believed a guy would hit a tree i was always <laughs> like really he hits a tree <laughs> okay we'll just go with it Her insight into him, her understanding of the politics and the, the family complications, you know, yeah. and Which him seeing that she understands, and it, it's a key moment in the development of, of their relationship.
1: But I do love that, you know, she's we're also seeing a very a more disheveled, looser Claire than we've seen before. You know, when she first got there, she's you know she's tense. Her, her she tends to look more rigid.
0: Yeah, loosen loosen her up, loosen her hair up.
1: Well, she's also you know camping. Yeah, no, she's in, camping day in day out. This is one of those things that you see on screen a lot of times, like Ron's red coats, where you kind of go, "You're sleeping out in the woods every day. I mean, how much time are you spending on, on your hair? On your hair? You're not."
0: A lot of sort of lingering looks there. I might have, as I watch this later, I sort of feel like I might have milked their, their, meaningful looks a step too far. Here? Yeah, I could. No, have, I don't I, think here. Think at the cut...
1: fireplace when she was bandaging, maybe.
0: Really? Because yeah. here, I, I thought, see, yeah, at I see at, at the beginning at the fireplace, I thought it was important. See here? this is
1: what. See her. I'm sorry. See her <clears throat> air say, the way she's wearing that. There was a lot of discussion about that too because it made her hips look so wide.
0: Um, but so what it's I, like, well because it's, there's something wrong with wide hips well it's,
1: it's Hollywood dear yeah. I hate to tell you this but we do work in Hollywood and people have responses to uh, I don't care look at that
0: she looks great here That's one of my favorite
1: pieces that's the coat that Meryl Davis Tall Ships keeps claiming as her coat
0: oh they really yeah. yeah that one yeah <laughs> yeah
1: I keep saying where are you going to wear that in LA her
0: hair's kind of like that too sometimes yeah Claire.
1: Claire.
0: You know, she's the only one actually touching the horses. You can tell that the cat's comfortable with the horses yes. and, and Sam. not many of the rest of them. Sam and, and Sam, the Sam loves the horses. Okay, this scene had to be rescheduled, this scene coming up here, because the wind was so bad out on the day. Oh. <laughs> Not here, but as they come over over the rise and they see these guys up on the the crosses. No, oh,
1: this was really, really the wind
0: was really so, so terrific that we they had to we had to run for what's called weather cover. Weather oh, cover. we
1: slid down hills. We oh. God. Weather cover
0: means that you were scheduled to shoot on a location. You had to run for weather cover and go back to the sound stages and do an alternate. Sometimes you, you can't just shoot. can't shoot this this location because you can kind of see it's up on a hill. So it was exposed to the wind And it was like gale force winds Well people are trying there. to
1: carry up equipment Oh it was crazy People were sliding and falling down the hill in the mud It yeah, was
0: I mean, completely I mean, insane
1: don't, yeah, People always think that Hollywood is such an Easy lush life well, This is when like,
0: my parents were visiting My parents oh, came God, and happened to like, visit Ugh. And my dad wanted to go out to this location and see it Even though the wind was like ripping through
1: You like can't get out of the car I mean, You, can't, you literally cannot get yeah, the equipment up the so... hills You can't walk
0: and much less light it on fire, which is part had, of the scene. You know,
1: we've had we have days where I mean,
0: even here, you can see the wind back. is yeah. the wind is ripping through here. And, and this, this is, was the good day. The good
1: day. You come back and everybody is covered in mud up to their eyeballs, and they're trudging and they're carrying equipment and costumes and trying to actually work in in really strenuous physical conditions. Yeah,
0: this is the good day. This is when yeah. we said it was good enough. To yeah, shoot.
1: and this that's that's yeah. <laughs>
0: this is not the bad day. The bad day was like it it was knocking over those crosses. We couldn't, literally, could not shoot.
1: And this is the one time we'll actually see see Kat's hood up. Because suddenly on that day, it didn't matter that she had a hood up and was covering her face. It was cold enough that everybody was okay with it.
0: I don't know how Ned's tricorn stays on in that wind.
1: We stapled it to his head.
0: Those are actually CGI flames because the, the, the flames, wind kept, kept it, the wind. wind kept blowing them out, so I had to add, add the flames. Them lit. I had to add the flames in post. This is on our sound stages.
1: And then what's really funny is everybody's very, very, very grateful to have those those warm woolen clothes when we're outside. Yep. Then we get into the sound stage where it's a billion degrees. It's so hot in there, your eyeballs are frying. And everybody's trying to take off their clothes. Oh I'm
0: yeah, like, everyone well, starts you know, saying, "You know, I, you know, think, I don't my think my character, character
1: would actually wear that my character coat."
0: Character would actually scene. be in shirt sleeves. In the I don't scene. think he'd have his
1: kilt on. It's Like really? But, you know, yeah. No one ever asked to take their coat <laughs> off outside. Um, <laughs> but but legitimately, it is boiling oh, hot, hot, and they're wearing five really layers of, of of wool, and it it's it's hot. So you go from freezing to boiling.
0: Now this set That's is actually possible. a redress of Claire's apothecary. Uh, the only way you can tell that is by the arches and the the pillars there. That Gary Steele hid really well and moved the geography of the scene of the set around so that you wouldn't really get it. But it, it, that is the same set.
1: Thank God we finally got air conditioning. It's still too hot. Uh,
0: this is also a key moment from from the book of Claire getting up in the in the middle of the night and, and tripping over Jamie outside the door. It's a, very, it's a very memorable scene to fans of the book.
1: And then how she's sleeping in her clothes. The reason why I did that, even though it's not something we see on screen so much, but as a fan, I remember that when they get into this tavern and Claire's looking at the bed and, you know, it's filthy. And she's, she's she actually sleeps in her cloak. <clears throat> um,
0: oh, because the bed's so filthy? Because
1: the bed's so filthy and, you know, she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to expose yourself that's why she's still wearing clothing oh this is so great although in the book she goes literally sprawling banging heads
0: we decided not to do it because she did the exact same thing in the gathering episode and that was literally last week so instead of her doing it twice it was like okay she just kind of trips and And there's
1: my boy sleeping in his tartan sleeping bag yep We very carefully calculated that she could take, I think it was, we we tried to figure out exactly how many items of clothing she could put into a basket or a trunk that could fit onto the wagon. We had a
0: wagon. We had a
1: wagon, but that wagon was also collecting goods, so we had to really try to figure carefully knowing what was going to happen in the story, too, and where we would need... So how many we outfits did she have? Like I think three? on this trip she had three or four. I think she had two or three bodices and skirts, and then we had to add that the dress that we'll see coming up because because you guys wanted her to have something that she could dress up a bit to go to that meeting. Oh yeah. That's coming in, um and and that <clears> kind of <throat> threw a hitch in it because she didn't know she was going to dress up. So you have to try to find ways to fudge it in there so it's believable to the story. But yeah, I think she has two outfits with her. Three if you count the special dress.
0: <clears throat> so, good night. <laughs> good choice, Jeremy.
1: I always loved that scene where it's like, "You want me to sleep on the floor of your room?"
0: Yeah, I know it's like so scandalous. Uh, that shot we had to paint out some telephone poles and wires, as I recall, because there's you know, a lot of that, isn't there? There's there's quite a bit that goes on, you know, this in, you in the various the various locations. You know, we have to paint out various antennas and modern anachronisms, and that was one. Again, we're on the sound stages here
1: see this is one of those this is one of those real life <clears throat> moments. This is this amazing woolen shawl that's meant to again serve as sort of a fichu, but at this point in the production, cat is so exhausted and so worn down that her immune system is complete rubbish and she keeps breaking out. She breaks out when she touches wood she breaks out when she has any contact with costumes i mean she's just pretty. She's pretty fragile at this point, which you would not know from her performance. But the toll of being in every single scene the entire season uh, is having physical ramifications. So she couldn't wear that costume up around her neck the way it was supposed to because it was just it was just really uncomfortable for her.
0: I was there. I happened to be there when they shot this uh, this upcoming fight scene. It's always fun whenever you're doing a fight scene. It's like. Everybody wants to come to the set. Now, our son was here during this, yeah. by happenstance. Uh, Robin's uh, spring break was on a different day, than different week than Roxy's was. So he came and we watched them shoot this, and they ran it all the way through. And had three cameras running for the fight sequence and breakaways and stunts and all that kind of stuff. And it's a lot of fun to watch them actually do this kind of thing on the set. <clears throat> we always like this in the writer's room the idea that she's negotiating with Ned or not negotiating she's trying to convince Ned you know to give up the Jacobite rebellion at the same time there's this other thing happening so it's one of those great scenes where you have more than one thing happening at the, at the same time which is always really interesting when you can sort of build those layers of tension into any sequence you
1: know, it's very difficult to find actual 18th century clothing and certainly 18th century clothing that fits 21st century, century people but you can find 18th century glasses which is what really? he's wearing yeah. yeah those are vintage? well I don't know if you'd call those vintage I'd call those antiques they're 18th century okay we found like three pair
0: wow
1: they're really quite amazing
0: are they prescription? did you have them up? no nah,
1: those, yeah. those are clear glass
0: hmm. and then Angus will just wander over and slam this guy's <laughs> head into the table I love that That's so ridiculous <laughs> You know, when we were talking about stunts with uh, Dom, our our stunt coordinator, I just, I said that the important thing f- stylistically for the show was that like it's it like an old western? Yeah. No, that the fights look just messy and not super choreographed and that no one was kung fu fighting and it wasn't yeah. like overly stylized. I wanted it to just be kind of dirty and people falling. It's a brawl. It's a brawl. It's, they're off balance and kind of like throwing themselves at people more than they are. Sort well, of it's...
1: You know, it's like when, ow, Just that. Just like
0: throwing the guy into the wall, it's like you know. you
1: see schoolyard kids fighting and they just, yeah, sort of they like, just, grabbing at each other and throwing. They just them.
0: grab and yeah. throw punches wildly. I love this little thing right here where she, you say, oh, my cheek. And, oh, oh ah. I think I was wrong earlier I, when I said that this is the, a redress of the apothecary. I think now that I remember correctly, this is, this is not the apothecary. No. This is upstairs. This is like a, a second story. of uh, No, it's actually a, elevated on the set because we had some taverns that were... Th- this is a redress of part of the Great Hall that has a second story because oh, Gary, right, designed, right, Gary right, Steele right. designed it to sort of have a second story. So we did this whole thing, the tavern, up on the second story because there's like a, a, a lower story down below because I kind of remember climbing up to the set to have to go see the fight, and this is the aftermath of the site. But it does have similar kind of archways in it than the Apothecary did. Again, the location, we're painting out a whole bunch of anachronisms there on, the, on camera left, up in the sky. Uh, we're about to do a flashback with Claire and Frank to Colladen Moor, which is obviously a real historical place. Um, we did not go to Culloden to actually shoot that section, but we brought in, we, did a lot of research and photographs and tried to recreate as best we could. And we recreated sort of, uh, some of the stone markers that were at, uh, Culloden more. The big, uh, there's a big cylindrical monument that you'll see coming up here in just a few it's seconds. sitting
1: in our warehouse. What actually, it's a
0: CG. There's, there's a pyramid. There's a small one. Oh, the that small is in the small one. Warehouse. Yeah. The, the small one's in the warehouse. But the big one is actually a a, a CG replica of the real monument on Culloden Moor. Culloden
1: Moor.
0: That plaque is a replica of the real one at Culloden. And again, this is not the actual battlefield, but this is is our recreation of it. It really does have stone markers like that that mark the places as best they can of where the various clans are are buried.
1: This is one of those points where everybody was having a great discussion about... What should they wear when they're out? That's
0: the, the monument. Yeah. That's the that's a replica of the monument, but that's actually a CG replica.
1: But uh, everybody's talking about what should they wear out in the moors? What should they wear to keep their feet dry? How do we cheat it? And I was like, well, they're actually they're Brits and they're used to this. And why aren't they wearing wellies? Why don't we just put them in wellies? And everybody's like, on camera? I'm Like, yeah, on camera. Here's pictures of the Queen Mother wearing wellies in 1947. Let's do it.
0: I love that she has her scarf on again. Yeah. yeah.
1: That was another one of those things where people didn't want to see it. Because it just is so f- so foreign to how people... Young women dress today. That, that it, it seems...
0: This marker... Now, there's two high. markers here. The mixed clans one is actually a very important one on the actual battlefield. Because it's sort of their equivalent of the American Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Here are, here are many, many men who died and they don't know not from which clan they came from so they're just called mixed clans. The second marker, the one that says Clan McKenzie, is not on the actual battlefield because the Mackenzie clan didn't formally participate, but I felt that part of our story is connecting Claire and the McKenzies to the events that are going to happen in Cullodenmore. So I said, yeah, you know what, let's put let's put one that says clan McKinsey there anyway, because I thought it was important for our our fictional story that Claire and the McKinsey's, and you you sort of understand that she's realizing, oh my God, these men are all doomed to die. And
1: again, those are the choices that you Yeah, that's just,
0: it it wasn't a mistake. It was like a a choice. I said, okay, I I get it. I know it's not really there, but it could (coughs) have been. But I, I think for our story, it's important that it is there. I like this little bit of Angus coming and helping her with the... It's a tiny little thing that sort of says volumes because it says that she has been accepted, that he's going to go over and help her with something now. (laughs) Now, we're moving towards the end of the episode here, and actually, I shifted the end of the episode in post-production. This episode, as scripted and as shot... Actually goes on into the next mm, five minutes of episode six actually in in the editing process I Sort of decided that we should end this episode a little bit earlier We should get out at the point where uh, the lieutenant comes up and just says to Claire, you know Are you here by your own choice and that that was the key moment of the, of the show? Because when you saw the show cut with her going off with the redcoats uh, off to you know into the next episode the ending was a little softer. What we did in the script and as shot, the the verse of poetry that she's quoting at the beginning of the show, we echoed at the very end of the show. So it was sort of a bookend on these, these verses of poetry as she was riding off with the redcoats to meet who knows who. But when you saw it cut together, you kind of went, it's not that strong of ending. It's a little bit soft. So I, I opted to sort of get out of the episode a couple minutes earlier because the key moment in this scene is, is when the, the, the lieutenant says to Claire, so are you here by your own choice? Because that's a really important moment for the character. What is she going to say? She's not here by her own choice. She hasn't wanted to be with these guys for some time. She's been looking for a way out for quite some time. What will she say to the to the British Redcoat? And that was the moment of maximum tension in the scene. And so I decided let's go out on the moment of maximum tension and push the rest of it into the top of the next episode.
1: I wanted to point out something very quickly you'll notice that Bill Patterson is wearing gaiters on his legs those are red coat gaiters and that was, a, that was because Bill Patterson was uncomfortable on a horse oh really and needed wanted the extra protection and we needed to build in gaiters and we wrote a little backstory that that Ned Gowan had come across a dead red coat and stolen his gaiters
0: <laughs> really yeah oh that's funny See, I love our red coat uniforms here. I love the yellow. I love the red. I, I, I They just look real to me. They don't look like Hollywood, you know, phony baloney red coats with that, that red and white. It always sort of like puts me off a little bit. But somehow I believe these guys are soldiers in the field.
1: Well, they do look like they've been dragged behind a horse, which yeah. is important.
0: Yeah, these guys are they are doing the job. They're out there. They're soldiers. They're vets. They're... They're not just people play-acting at it. These are guys doing the real job. There you go. Are you here by your own choice? That's the key question of what she's going to say. What is she going to say? And so I manufacture that ending right there. There you have it episode 105 Rent
1: 105 Rent what do you think Terry I like
0: it it's a good show it is a good show it's a good show I like that it gets outside and suddenly you're sort of traveling and on the road and and again you sort of wonder wow this isn't the show I sort of thought it was so uh, thank you all for joining us Uh, we will talk to you again for my crew we'll talk to you again next week on episode 106
1: okay bye. thank you all
0: for joining us and good night